0: Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash Canada EHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. Don't forget, I have three other podcasts out there. From John to Justin, which releases every single Friday. Canada's Great War, which releases every single Sunday. And Coast to Coast, which releases every single Thursday. I do all these podcasts full-time. The writing, the research, everything. So every dollar you give helps keep it all going. You can email me at Craig at CanadaEHX.com. You can find me on Twitter, my handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at bairdho 37 Long before Europeans ever arrived in the area, the Blackfoot and their precursor cultures lived on the land that covered the area of Picture Butte. At the time, the bison stretched across the horizon and were an integral part of the culture of the Blackfoot. As time went on and Europeans started to arrive from the east, the Métis and Cree would be pushed into the Blackfoot territory at Picture Butte, which created conflicts. In fact, at Indian Battle Park in nearby Lethbridge, the last indigenous battle in Canadian history took place between the Cree and the Blackfoot in the Battle of Belly River. Today, the entire area sits on Treaty 7 land, which was signed at Blackfoot Crossing on September 22, 1877. The Indigenous history of the area is showcased at the nearby Ross Archaeological Site, which is a prehistoric site with multiple buried campsite occupations in a section of 200 meters long and 4 meters deep. As well, there are several cultural materials that have been found at the site that show at least six occupations dating back as far as 1400 AD. Many of the artifacts collected at the site are now at the Royal Alberta Museum. Archaeological excavations started in 1957 and continued until 1980. During that time, shell and bone beads, stone and bone tools, pottery, pendants, buffalo stones, and fragmented animal bone were all found. Activities at the site included animal butchering, meat roasting, tool manufacturing, grease preparation, and more. Due to the deep historical nature of the site, it was made a provincial heritage site in 1981. The formation of Picture Butte owes its existence thanks to the growth and homesteading in the early 20th century. At the time the land was dry and farming was difficult, but a massive engineering project throughout the 1910s and into the 1920s would change that. The irrigation system set up in southern Alberta would turn formerly arid land into lush green land that was perfect for growing crops. For Picture Butte, the arrival of the Lethbridge Northern Irrigation System in 1923 would be the first event to spur on development of the future community. The organization, the Lethbridge Northern Irrigation District, was founded in 1919, financed through a bond issue by the Alberta government. Unlike other systems, it operated as a district from its inception. The Lethbridge Northern Irrigation System runs for 650 kilometers in total, and provides irrigation to nearly 50,000 hectares of land. Among all the irrigation systems in southern Alberta, it is the fifth largest. The construction of this system also helped provide employment to many men who came to the area. Some of those men fell in love with the landscape and would choose to stay. When the system went live, it cost $5.25 per acre for water or $85. And of the $500,000 expected, only $13,000 came in from ratepayers. The price was soon lowered to accommodate farmers who did not have that kind of money. In 1925, the CPR arrived in the area, and that would be the second big catalyst for the creation of Picture Butte. When the railroad arrived, so too did roads to the new community, along with Turin and Iron Springs. Soon after the railroad arrived in 1925, the Picture Butte post office would be created. As for how the name came about, it was named for the prominence that was southeast of town. Unfortunately, over time, due to the soil of the prominence being used for street improvements, highway construction, and a dike at the picture Butte Lake Reservoir, by 1947 it no longer existed. And while the prominence is gone, it lives on in the name of the community. I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. i spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada, and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of Explornet, and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom, and uploading content. Through it all, Explornet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working, I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. Explornet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now, they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. Today and beyond, ExploreNet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to ExploreNet.com or call one 866 2852253 By the 1930s, Picture Butte was being called the "Iowa of Alberta" for its thriving livestock industry. In 1938, 3500 cattle and 20,000 lambs were being fed at the feedlots in Picture Butte through the winter. The total value of the cattle and lambs feeding at lots in Picture Butte that winter was $350,000 or $6.4 million today. That is no small number considering it was the Great Depression. The feedlots were a major source of revenue for Picture Butte. Some of the lots, built using 100,000 feet of lumber, could hold 1,000 cattle at a time. The role of Picture Butte in livestock feeding continues to this day, with several massive lots that accommodate thousands of head of livestock. For that reason, Picture Butte is known as the livestock feeding capital of Canada. One of the biggest events in the early history of the community was the construction of the sugar factory in 1935. Construction of the beet sugar factory began on May 15th of that year, and Picture Butte was chosen over many other sites due to its adequate and convenient drainage, its railway facilities, and fuel close at hand. The fact that there were several beet crops in the area also played into the decision. The factory was no small building its construction would cost $1.5 million or $30 million today. Construction would continue through the year and farmers seeing the opportunity would increase local sugar beet acreage by 6,000 acres or a 40% increase over the previous year. Another plus of the factory was that during the depression it provided employment for 300 people and would employ 200 people while it was running. Officially completed on October 5, 1936, the opening of the plant was a major event for the area. Several Canadian Sugar factories executives came out for the opening. Sadly, the opening was a solemn affair, as Thorhold Dewey of Cardston had died only three days previous while working on the factory. The sugar plant would continue to operate until 1978, when it closed for good, severely impacting the economy of the community for a time. Like with many small communities, though, resilience paid off and the town continued on, By 1991, the community had annexed 165 acres of land, greatly increasing its size in the process. By 1943, the community had grown enough to become a village, and by 1961, thanks to further growth, it was a town with a population of 978. Today, that number has doubled. The prosperity of Picture Butte was seen when it built a new high school in 1950, costing $150,000, or $1.7 million today. I don't often include the history of building a school in these stories, unless it was very early on, but I found that this was an excellent story of community spirit. For years, the community had needed a new school as the high school. To accommodate the growing population, up until the Second World War, five one-room schoolhouses were dragged into the community to become part of the high school. These buildings were used for shop, home economics, and as classrooms, but they were hard to heat, had poor lighting, and were generally not great for school. Finally, in 1947, plans were drawn up for the new school, and construction began in 1948 after the community began to rally together to pressure the government. When the school officially opened in 1950, the entire community came out to celebrate. If you want to learn more about the history of Picture Butte, then visit the Pioneer Village of Coyote Flats. This village includes three houses, a train station, a garage, post office, school, church, butcher shop, fire station, and even a northwest mounted police outpost jail. You can tour these as you relive what life was like decades ago in the community. In addition to those buildings, the Prairie Tractor and Engine Museum, located at the same site, features an array of antique tractors and farming equipment that have been restored and operate in parades to this day. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at bairdo37. Again, if you like, you can support the podcast through Patreon. Just go to patreon.com CanadaEHX. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. And I'd like to say thank you to all of my wonderful patrons. And if I mispronounce any names, I do apologize. Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, one anonymous person who I really appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rois, Luke Guess, JP Bear, Jason Hall, and Iris Gray. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.